With what God thinks of you, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You are beloved of God. Oh, but Pastor Ed, there's not many lovely things going on in my life right now. He loves you. Oh, you don't understand. No, I do understand. You're beloved of God. You. Yes, you. For those of you that are thinking, who, me? Yes, you. Those that might be tuned in on the radio and just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm beloved of God. Yes, you're beloved of God. He loves you so much. He does. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We teach our kids in Sunday school to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And yet many of us struggle to believe it. But it's true. We're assured of it in God's Word. Not because we're deserving, but because God is so loving and gracious. That's good news. And it's our focus today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor of Calvary Church, Colorado. As we continue today in the book of Romans, we'll be encouraged in God's love. If we believe it, live it, and proclaim it, it'll change us and the world around us. Here's Pastor Ed in Romans chapter 1. Paul didn't join a church when he got saved. He didn't say, well, I'm committed to the church. He, he didn't commit to a theology. I, I see you, Jesus. I give myself to your theology. He didn't come to a place to go, well, there's a philosophy floating around about the Messiah. So, you know, I give myself to a philosophy. You know what it was that spurred his passion and his zeal? It was a commitment to the person of Jesus. Jesus is alive today bearing witness to the truths of his scripture, saying, you know what, I want you to come unto me. I want you to give that commitment to me that you give to your job. Oh, I don't want you to be uncommitted to your work. You need to be a good witness. But Jesus might be saying to some of you, I, want that I know that commitment that you have at work, but I just seem to get pushed to the side. Maybe it's not work. Maybe it's a commitment to that hobby you're really into. You just love it. It's just your hobby. Some of you might be more committed to your kids than you are to the Lord and have to get that balance that, you know, Jesus, you're my passion. You're my strength. You're my all in all. Only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Jesus will last. I'll tell you, Paul, his commitment, I don't know. I, I look around sometimes and I wonder why folks bounce around so much in their Christian walk. Bouncing around in commitment, bouncing around in passion, bouncing around in zeal, bouncing around in, in their level of service, bouncing around even for some from church to church to church, bouncing around, bouncing from one author to the next, bouncing from one book to the next, bouncing all over the place. Why? Could it be? Might I just throw out the question? Could it be a lack of commitment to Jesus? Could that be what it is? That in all the bouncing around you've, and it's possible for me to have left my first love, Jesus, he just wants all of you. He wants your life, your family, your work. He wants you. He wants everything about you. Is it a lack of a personal encounter with the Lord? 
Paul was so dedicated, Paul was so consecrated, he was so separated because he met Jesus on the road. And if we really understand Jesus is alive and dwelling within us, then we can talk with him and we can share with him and we can lean on. Sometimes you just got to lean on the Lord in those tough times. Just lean into him. You know, when you lean on something, you lean on a wall, you lean on a pillar, you, you're putting your full weight there. That if they were to take it away, you're falling. And you just got to lean on the Lord. You, you got to just told, like, here, Lord, take my life. All right, Pastor, if that's my obligation, I'll lean on the Lord. No, 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 you miss it. I'm not trying to lay some trip or obligation on you. I'm just trying to let you know that Jesus is there for you. If you lean on him, he'll hold you up. There's no, you, you could put all your weight on him. He's not falling. I mean, you could lay all your burdens. Remember what Peter said? Just cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's like, oh, Lord, you're so good. That's what Paul's saying. I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord. He's got my ear. And therefore, he has my life. Uh, he has my devotion. He has my life. He has all that I am. I now identify myself as a servant. Well, notice verse 5 now. Through whom... We have received grace. You might just want to circle that word. That's something I want you to look for in the book of Romans. I want you to find all of the instances where grace is mentioned. Well, here it's mentioned a couple times. He says, we've received grace. Did we receive judgment? No. Did we receive condemnation? No. Did we receive heavy trips and obligations? No. We've received grace. Grace, God's unmerited, unearned favor toward you and me. In the original Greek, the word charis is the word here for grace. It refers to this undeserved stooping down from someone that you wouldn't normally expect to stoop down. For instance, think of yourself living in a kingdom today under the rule of a king. Now, we don't know much about kings today, but we've seen it in history. We kind of understand. The idea here is the king is way over here and we're his lowly subjects. And with the king way up here on his throne and his lowly subjects down here, that's how the king likes it in the worldly sense. The king up here, the subjects down here, the king unapproachable, unattainable. You can't get near him. You can't talk to him. You can't touch him. Nothing. They'll pounce on you if you get close to him. So think, your whole life you want to get into the king's court. I know you can't go to the throne, but maybe you can just get into the court for a, an occasion. And you know that in this hypothetical kingdom that they allow people in, and you can get as close as 100 yards from the king, and so that's your goal in life. I want to get into that party. I want to be at least 100 yards from the king because I've never been that close before. And at the end of your life, finally, you've saved enough. Enough favors have been done for you. You've got your ticket. You're in the gates. You're there. The party started, and the king, yes, he's still the king, is 100 yards, a football field, if you want to get some perspective here, way over there in his throne, unapproachable, but you're close. Oh, I mean, it's the highlight of your life. You've finally been able to come to the king. But you can't really get any closer. There's a big fence there. You're there with a large group of people. They can't get any closer, but who cares? Not everybody in their life is going to be able to say they were within 100 yards of the king, and you're just excited. So cool. But then in the midst of the party, you, you see something. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? The king is standing. Do, 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 do. Everybody stand. The king is standing. And you're like, wait a minute. He's not just standing. He's, he's walking. And he's walking toward us. We're like, whoa. King's never done that. He doesn't walk toward us. I mean, he wants to be as far. He's got that 100 yards there. And there he is. 10 yards he's made. 20 yards. 
wow, he's 30 yards. You wonder, is he going to stop and say something or is he coming all the way? 50 yards, it's like watching a football game in slow motion. There he is. And you're like, wait a minute, he's past the 50, he's, he's coming. What are we going to do? We, no, wait a minute, he's, he's like, he's 10 yards from us now, finally he stopped. But he has no guards. There's nobody around. I mean, if you wanted to bowl and go touch him, you could, but you know better. Because you might be able to touch him, but that's the end of your life. It's over. And then he takes five, he's five yards from you, 15 feet from you. And he's looking and surveying the crowd very much like this. He's looking and he says, your name. They're like, is there any Eds here? Any other Eds here? Anybody else? And he says, no, I want you. And you're like, what? And you see everybody backing up, man. Everybody's backing up and you're like all there alone. And the king comes and he comes and he comes and he puts his hand on your shoulders and he says, I know all about you. I know about everybody in this kingdom. But I know you personally. And I just want you to come. I want you to come into the house. None of this 100-yard stuff for you. I want you to come in. I want you to enjoy me. I want to introduce you to the kids. Play a little Xbox in the back of the kingdom there. I want to hang out with you. And not only does he do that, but then he bends down on his knees. The king, again, on his knees. In front of you, you're, you and I, we're just peasants. We're just subjects. But here's the king. He's down and he says, I appreciate you and I love you. Oh, in the earthly realm, the idea of stooping down, the idea of favor from a king. Oh, it's so cool. What about with the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Eternally glorified and holy as we sang this morning in heaven, coming down and taking on a human body, stooping down from heaven in great. Did you deserve it? No. No, the Bible says he demonstrated his love when? While we were still yet sinners. We didn't deserve it. We don't earn this favor. You can't say, I want you to come to me, God, because I've got everything to offer you. You come to me because I deserve it. That's not grace. Grace is receiving favor when you don't deserve it. When you are who you are, and God is who God is, and he stoops down to you. That's grace. And that's wonderful. Because in the depths of our depravity, that's exactly what the King of King and the Lord of Lords have done for us. Oh, it's not some fictitious kingdom with a hundred yards spread. We're talking the separation between a sinful, unholy man and a holy God that's been bridged by his son, Jesus Christ. And it motivates us, doesn't it? We're like, oh, Lord, you are so good. And for some of you, you look back on your life and you know what you've been delivered from, don't you? You know what you've been separated from. Some of you are in the midst of being separated from that right now. You know what it's like to feel unworthy. You know what it is to feel like you never measure up. You know what it is to feel like you just, you just can't do enough to please someone. But with God in grace, he sets that all aside and he stoops down and reaches out to you. Grace. What have we received, the Bible says? Grace. So that in grace you can relate to a holy God that you're fully pleasing to him right now as you are. And of course, there are some that would say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, if you start teaching it that way, then aren't you just saying we can go out and sin all we want because it's grace, grace, grace. God will forgive me. He'll stoop down to me. I know I don't deserve it. I know I don't earn it, so I might as well go out and throw a few more sinful seeds out there because since I don't deserve it now, I won't deserve it then. You misunderstand grace completely. Grace is never an example, never a 
permission slip to go live your life like the devil. Because in grace, you have a new love and appreciation for the one that stooped down. You're just, oh man, you're so good, Lord. But even Paul says here in verse 5, through whom we've received grace and apostleship, for what? Obedience. You've got a Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. No, grace will give you a new love and a new desire. And no longer serving the Lord out of obligation, you'll serve him from love. But not only that, he says in verse 5, through whom we received grace and apostleship. That was the calling on Paul's life. He was an apostle, one that was sent out. And in one sense, we're all sent out with the gospel. In a strict sense, you've got the early apostles. But in a general sense, we've all been sent out. He says, we've been served with apostleship and obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name, among whom you... And you might just take, if you, again, you like writing your Bible, I encourage you to do that. You see that word you? You can just write your name there. That's your name. He's talking to you. Yes, the audience is Rome, the Roman Christians, but by application, you're the audience. Among whom Ed is also called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to leave here knowing that you are beloved of God. Oh, but Pastor Ed, there's not many lovely things going on in my life right now. He loves you. Oh, you don't understand. No, I do understand. You're beloved of God. You. Yes, you. And for those of you that are thinking, who, me? Yes, you. Those that might be tuned in on the radio and just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm beloved of God. Yes, you're beloved of God. He loves you so much. He does. Everything about you brings joy to him. Oh, I know you stumble. Oh, I stumbled this week, Pastor Ed. I know stumbling hurts, doesn't it? Especially the ones you fall on your face. That really hurts. It's like, ouch. Run into a few closed doors. You know, that hurts. But you got up, didn't you? Lord got you up. And you might think, no, I didn't get up. No, you're here, aren't you? Wanted to worship the Lord. You got up. Oh, I fell again. You got up. You fell again. Got up. Though a man falls seven times, the Bible says, he'll rise again. Jesus is your strength. You're kept by the power of God. Friends, don't condemn yourself. Don't let the enemy condemn you. We all fall. You think I fall? Any of you think I don't fall? Any of you think just I'm perfect? I float, actually. Yeah, I am a little higher right now, huh? What's you standing on? No way. No, if I recounted my own sins back to myself, I'd condemn myself out of the pulpit. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't want to live a life that doesn't please the Lord. I, I don't want to live a life that, that, that is in rank rebellious sin. I don't want to live a life that just I'm a knucklehead and I don't care about people. I don't, I don't want to live that kind of life, but I stumble at times. You know what I find? I find the same thing you do. The Lord, he is good. And he loves me. 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 Of all people. And he loves you. That's so beautiful, isn't it? And wonderful. We're beloved of God. And that's what I want you to walk out with, knowing and believing. Okay, so you come to the place here where you go, I know that, Pastor. I know that, Ed. I know that I'm loved. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to take it one step further. Believe it. Believe it. I am loved of God. He loves me. He set his love upon me. And then I'm going to ask you to take it to one step further. I want you to live that way. I want you to live in the love of God. Because that's the atmosphere that you'll take into the people of your life. And they'll realize, too, that God loves them. And they'll realize, too, that, you know, God is doing something in you. And he offers to us grace and peace. Grace and peace. Right now. 
You can rest in his perfect love and care for you. You can be content and trust him in every area of your life. You can trust him and lean on him and lean into him because in grace and in love and in mercy, his tender compassion, his readiness to forgive, his comfort in dark times, his strength in weak times. Does the Bible say that it's when we're weak, his grace is made perfect in our weakness? One more thing before we leave. Would you flip over to Malachi chapter 4 as you're just kind of pondering, wow, the Lord loves me. I'm beloved of God. Yes, you are. You all are beloved of God. I love you. I love you. I love this church. I love everything about what God is doing. I mean, I'm asking God for a larger heart, for more love. But as much as I love all of you and what God's doing, you're beloved of God. And how is that possible? Well, we live in a new covenant, gang. We have a new covenant. It's been sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the old covenant. The old covenant, well, look at Malachi chapter 4. It's the last book in the Old Testament, page 1083. <laughs> Some of you might be able to look at it. Last book, flip over just a few pages. Chapter 4, last chapter, verse 6, last verse of the Old Testament. This is how the Old Testament ends. Listen. Malachi 4, verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The law ends, the Old Testament ends with a curse. How does the New Testament end? Do you know? Let's find out. Revelation chapter 22. The Old Testament ends off with a curse. Lest I come and strike with a curse, the Bible says. But the New Testament ends, look at Revelation chapter 22. Hear all the pages turning? Ah, I love it. Turn those pages, use those Bibles. Use your Bibles, guys. Man, it's such a cool deal what the Lord's doing in our lives. The law ends with a curse. Look at Revelation 22 verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. How's the New Testament in? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God wants to surround you in his grace. And that is what Romans is all about. He wants you to realize that favor. The letter of liberty is here to set us free from bondage. To captivate us not by some external obligation, but some internal compulsion of the love of God. The love of God will get you through anything. It'll get you through everything. Freedom from our own flesh. Freedom from our own religious tendencies. Freedom from sin that we might fully and wholly serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Seven verses we got through, guys. And in these seven verses, I just want to ask you the question. Does Jesus have your ear today? Because if he does, then you're going to follow him passionately and full of zeal and boldness that he gives through the Holy Spirit. If he doesn't, and you need to come up to the doorpost and let the Lord Jesus Christ drive in all through your earlobes so that his earring of love, if you will, would hang from your ear forever, reminding you and all around you that you live for him. Today's that day. Now's the time indeed. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, describing the only response worthy of the love of Jesus, and that is to love him in return. We're traveling through Romans right now, one verse at a time. 
And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Pastor Ed, I think sometimes we wrongly assume that everyone listening to Christian radio is saved, but that's not the case. And maybe someone listening right now is apart from the Lord. But this study of Romans has piqued their interest in the gospel message. What would you like to say to them as we close? Well, first of all, Larry, I want to say to anyone listening, I'm glad that you're tuning in to this radio station, listening to Bible study, listening to worship music. Uh, God uses that in your life. And being on a station like this, if you've stayed with us to the very end, then I know that your mind has been captivated by the thought that God loves you and He cares for you, that there's purpose for your life, that there's meaning in what the Bible teaches about God and His creation. And it could be that you've joined us and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never asked for His forgiveness. You've never considered the weight of the penalty of your sin and guilt and the shame that comes with it. And on this station, we talk about the afterlife, we talk about heaven, and it kind of scares you uh, or you're freaked out a little bit because you don't know really what's going to happen to you when you die. You don't have confidence that you would go to heaven. You're not even certain that you're ready to meet God. Well, listen, you need to get that sorted out right now as we end the program. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He demonstrated his love for you. He paid the price for every wrong you've ever done, and he rose again from the dead, and he's here right now standing at the door of your life, and he's knocking, and he's saying, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and if you're not sure you're ready for eternity, if you don't have the confidence that you'll go to heaven when you die, then I want you to respond to this invitation that I'm about to give you on behalf of Jesus Christ. You're not deciding to follow a church, a religion. You're not deciding to, to join a church or to follow a radio station. The invitation comes through my lips from Jesus Christ. He's the one inviting you to himself. He's inviting you to repent of your sins and surrender your life to him. And so you can pray this. You could say, God, repeat this after me. Ready? You don't, if you're driving, you don't have to close your eyes. Uh, but if you're in a place where you can pause, maybe pull the car over and just pause right now, just, just in a safe place, let's talk to God together. And you could say something like this, God, thank you for coming and dying on the cross in my place. I believe that you love me, and that you died for me, and that you rose again from the dead, and I willingly turn away and repent of all of my sins and ask you to forgive me. And I dedicate my life to following you, not only because you lived for me and died for me, but because you rose again from the dead. And I dedicate my life to living for you in Jesus' name. 
<laughs> so welcome to the family of God. On our website, there is a tab that says how to know God. I want to invite you to our, just go to our church website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco, that stands for Colorado, calvaryco.church. There's a tab on how to know God. We'd love to hear from you. There's a lot of free resources available there for you to follow uh, along and learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the family of God. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation, and Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can process your order right away. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here at Abounding Grace, we're continually reminded that God is doing a great work through the radio. I wish you could see all the letters and the emails and calls that we receive testifying of that. If you'd like to help us in our endeavor to get the word out all over the world, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Simply click on Donate and you can make a secure donation today. Our series in Romans resumes next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.